You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 390, Christmas in Luke. So last week we started this Christmas series. I'm recording in December. We're talking about the Christmas story as it's revealed in the Gospels. And if, you've, if you're a student of the Gospels, you realize that Matthew and Luke contain the two main Christmas stories that we're going to be talking about. However, we'll, we will be talking about Mark and John next week to see what they have to say about this important subject as well. So last week we talked about Matthew. We, we, we discussed the fact that Matthew is the gospel account, um, or, or at least the Christmas account, the birth of Jesus account, from the point of view of Joseph, the earthly dad of Jesus. And, and today we're going to be looking at Luke, which is a recollection of Mary. Now, what's fascinating about Luke is he tells us how he writes. In, in the first part of the Gospel, chapter 1, he says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have also decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. <clears throat> now, who Theophilus is, that's beyond what we want to talk about today, but um, he was the guy that Luke was writing. Maybe he was a patron, maybe he was a pastor. We, we don't know, but it, it, it's not that important. What is important is Luke tells us how he wrote. He, he talks about eyewitness accounts. He talks about investigating. He talks about um, doing some research. And so when you read the first uh, two chapters of, of Luke, you actually get the feeling that he probably interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus. We don't know that, but it reads like an eyewitness account. Maybe he had a, a written account of it. Maybe she left it. But it, but it really sounds like maybe, and I, and I have this picture in my mind of him sitting down and interviewing her and just saying, hey, tell me, tell me about it. What happened? So, so that gives us a little bit of context. Now, beyond our scope is the first um, thing that we see in this gospel is the angel appears, the angel Gabriel appears to the father of John the Baptist. And this is a fascinating story. I encourage you to read that. We're not going to, but it does lead right into the Gabriel, uh, angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. And we'll read just a few verses of that. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. 
For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. That's John the Baptist's mom. Uh, People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Now that's from from, uh, Luke 1. So this is this fascinating account, which really kind of goes along with what we read last week in Matthew, where um, uh, Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant. He thinks she's been unfaithful and is going to divorce her quietly to keep her from being stoned as an adulteress. And when 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 he he makes that decision to put her away quietly, um, the angel appears to him in a dream and, and tells him this is this is the the child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we read here. So Gabriel appears to Mary. They have a conversation. Man, what an uh, I, you know we read over this story. If you're, if you're a Christian, you've heard it so many times. We just kind of get immune to it. But can you imagine? the awkwardness of this situation with Mary and her family. Here's a young girl, maybe she's 15. I mean, they got married young back then, 14, 15, 16. I can't imagine her being really much older than that and having to tell her parents that she's pregnant and giving them this incredible story of how an angel appeared to her. Just uh, amazing. And the the stigma, the the, the trauma, the um, abuse she would have taken, the 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 looks as she walked down the street from the neighbors, the hushed whispers, um, you know, just just awkward, unbelievable. I mean, uh, when a young girl gets pregnant today, you know, we 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 don't quite react to it like we used to. It's still considered a shame. Um, it's a it's a tragedy. But but then, oh my gosh, this was this this really could have led to her death. She could have been condemned and and um, and stoned as an adulteress if if Joseph had pursued that. But Gabriel appears to and gives her this news. And as awkward as it is, the news that she receives is she is going to have a child um, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be the Savior of Israel. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the King. He's going to be the the heir to David's throne. And here's this is a peasant girl. This is there's no evidence that Mary and Joseph were people of means. Um, Joseph was a craftsman. I'm sure he made a, a decent living, but but there's no evidence that these were people of means, and yet she's being told that her son is going to be the heir to the throne. Just think about it. It's just fascinating when we hear this. And Mary's response is, uh, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Uh, literally, if we were translating it word for word from Greek, basically we would say, um, may every word that you've said come to pass. Um, don't let any of your words fall to the ground, she was telling the angel. And, and, and essentially she's saying, uh, I'm your servant, whatever you want to do. 
And you've got to appreciate this attitude. In fact, I think this is the the attitude that God wants us to have. I am your servant, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, God, I'm yours. Um, I read a quote recently from Rick Warren, and he said that, um, you know, God speaks to those who have already decided to obey. You know, he doesn't give us the option of saying, okay, God, tell me what your will is, and then I'll decide if I want to do it or not. He speaks, he reveals himself, he gives guidance, he gives direction to those who have already decided to obey, no matter what God says. And, I, and, I, and you really get that sense that that is what Mary had done. She had already decided in her heart to obey. She was willing to do whatever God wanted her to do. Well, don't go away. We will be right back. But I do want to let you know, since it is Christmas time, a couple of great gifts for that difficult person on your list are a couple of my books. I've got, I was trying to figure it out, I think I've got 20 or 21 books now, 14 novels out, seven nonfiction books. There is something on my book list for everybody on your list. But I want to highlight two of them. You know, I was a police officer for almost 30 years, and I wrote when I got ready to retire, I started writing my memoirs. I wrote Street Cop, and then I wrote Street Cop 2 Reloaded, which is a sequel. These two books contain true stories from my law enforcement career. I, ch- I changed the names to, to protect the innocent and the guilty, but, uh, but other than that, these are, these are true stories from my career. Um, they're exciting. Some will amuse you. Some will probably disturb you, but hopefully they'll give you a greater appreciation for the men and women in blue who protect us, who lay their lives on the line every single day to keep our society safe. So click on the link for for Street Cop or Street Cop 2 Reloaded. Grab both of them. Um, I believe you can still read a chapter or two on Amazon for free to get a feel for them. But uh, they're available in ebook, they're available in paperback, and I know you or someone on your list will love them. All right, so we just talked about the angel appearing to Mary in Luke 1. So, the, the context here is the, the angel, first of all, as we said, appeared to um, John the Baptist, his dad. And, um, you know, they, they had a conversation that didn't go so well. But eventually his, his wife, who had been barren, um, got pregnant. Uh, then the angel appears to Mary. And then Mary goes and visits John the Baptist's parents. He, he, she visits um, uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah, John the Baptist's parents. They hang out. And have a great time. But then in John 2, we get to the point where it's time for Jesus to be born. And this is the birth story. Uh, And I'll just read a few verses. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Now, the first thing that we noticed here is Jesus' birth is anchored in history. Uh, the Gospels don't start with once upon a time. They don't start with long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, although we could make an argument that John probably is the closest to that. But but the Gospels don't give any appearance of, of this mythical type of literature that you read in antiquity. Um, it's not once upon a time. It's not... Uh, 
there's no evidence of myth or legend, we get a story that's anchored in history. In chapter 1, it talks about um, King Herod, um, when, when Herod was the king of Judah in, in Luke 1.5. Here we talk about uh, when, when, when the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed a census, when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Everyone had to return to their home. And this, this included Mary and Joseph. In Joseph's home, he was from Bethlehem. We don't know how they connected. It'd be an interesting story. How did um, you know a man from Bethlehem get engaged to a, to a girl in, in Nazareth? It was, it's a good, good little bit of a distance um, to walk. And so you wonder how they connected. Maybe the families knew each other. But now he has to go back to uh, Bethlehem to register in this census. And it's time for her to give birth. Um, you know, she's pregnant. She's very pregnant. They get there, and we know the story. There's, there's, no, there's no room for them in the end. We don't really know why that is, um, except for the fact that the city was full because of the census, so people are having to come back and register. Um, and so there's just no place for them to stay. Now, now, it's interesting because this is Joseph's hometown. Why wasn't Joseph staying with family? Was he embarrassed? Uh, was the stigma of Mary too much? Um, did his family not want to receive him or her uh, because of the obvious, you know, illegitimate birth? At least that's what it looked like. Um, really interesting. But we do find out that that at some point they were given access to a a stable. Um, Jesus. She she wrapped. She gave birth to Jesus. Um, says she gave birth to her firstborn child, a son. Uh, she wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And again, it just makes you wonder, why was there no lodging? This is his city. He had family there. Why was there no lodging available? We don't know, but it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. So then, the next, the next part that we hear, of course, in, in Matthew, we find out about the Magi, the wise men who showed up later on. But really, the first ones to witness the, the, the newborn king, the first ones to, to be alerted, is an unlikely crowd. Just as the Magi were an unlikely group to be alerted in, in, in Matthew, the unlikely group to be alerted about the birth of the Messiah in Luke were the shepherds. Um, these were, you know, this was a rough crowd. You think of the cowboys from the, the Old West in America. Um, they were a, a hard-living, hard-charging lot. They were used to protecting their flock from both two- and four-legged predators. And, you know, these are the guys that the, the, the angels appear to, to to alert that the Messiah is born. Here's what it says in Luke 2. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel of the Lord uh, reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. 
Suddenly the, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in, high, in the highest heaven, peace on earth with those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's, let's see this thing. Let's, let's see what the Lord's telling us about. And they hurried. They found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about this child. All who had heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Wow. You know, again, it's just fascinating that, that, that the shepherds were the first ones. It wasn't you know, the priest, it wasn't the scribes, it wasn't the Pharisees or the Sadducees. It was a group of shepherds who probably smelled like sheep. Um, you know, it's it, it just very different from what we would think the, the Messiah's birth would be. But isn't that like God? He's always doing what we don't expect in ways that we don't expect it. The angels announcing the, the, this birth to the shepherds. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, I haven't seen any angels, at least that I know of. But the angels are, are really, they're, they're, they're actually working overtime here at the birth of Jesus. We saw in the story of, uh, for, from Joseph's point of view, you know, the angels appearing um, in dreams and speaking clearly and giving direction to the Magi, to Joseph, uh, you know, making things very clear. And now the angels are appearing, uh, you know, one had appeared to Zechariah, one's appeared to Mary. Uh, now they're appearing to shepherds. Um, just an amazing story announcing the birth of Jesus. And again, Mary's response is worth worth looking at. Um, as she said, I'm your servant. Let it be unto me as you have said here. After hearing all the things the angels said, according to the shepherds, it says she she kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. You know, you had to, you have to wonder about that. I mean, Mary has been told that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. What is that going to look like? What is that going to mean? And so she's she's pondering, she's pondering these things in her heart. Another translation says, um, you know, again, it's 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 not beyond the realm of possibility that Luke sat down and interviewed her later in her life and got this amazing story from her. But then. We, we, we find out later that uh, they, they go to the temple. Um, Bethlehem's not that far from Jerusalem, and they go to the temple to have the baby uh, circumcised, to have him dedicated to the Lord according to the law. And uh, there's a, an older man there named Simeon who prophesies over them and over the baby. Anna, a prophetess, prophesies over the baby. And so just this, this amazing series of events according to Mary. Now, it's interesting. She doesn't mention the trip to Egypt. Um, you know, she's going to be telling the story in her own way and what was important to her. But for her, what was important was the angels spoke, um, the prophets spoke, everything was fulfilled according to God's word. And she pondered over these things in her heart. I'm sure she shared them with Jesus as he got older as he grew. You imagine the conversations they had about his birth and uh, just amazing to think about. So when you 
celebrate Christmas this year, let's not just have the same old, same old. I mean, I know when we think of shepherds, we think of little Johnny and, you know, in his bathrobe, wearing a towel on his head, uh, holding a broomstick. But, you know, it's more than that. These were rough and tumble guys. And the fact that their hearts were melted tells us everything we need to know. The Holy Spirit still melts the hearts of rough and tumble people. He still melts the hearts of everyday normal people like like most of us. Um, and whether or not he speaks to us in angels, we've got his, with angels today, we've still got his word. Um, the prophecies have been fulfilled. Jesus did come. Um, we know the story. And I encourage you maybe even to, 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 if you haven't pulled it out and read it in a while, get your Bible out. Read the first couple of chapters of Matthew. Read the first couple of chapters of Luke. And just look at the Christmas story and ask the Holy Spirit to let you view it through fresh eyes. Well, I'm going to stop there. I think that's given us just a good kind of overview of what Luke does with the story. Um, Again, the contrast is, um, you know, Joseph shared some things that Mary didn't share or or Luke decided not to record and uh, vice versa. But when you put the two stories together, you get this amazing account of the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Well, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, go to davidspell.com, leave a question or a comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Next week, we'll be talking about Mark and John. I think you'll really enjoy that. Quite interesting, quite fascinating Gospels, and the way they start off is interesting in its own right, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So look forward to seeing you next week on Leading.